0: Welcome to the Disability Advocacy Hour with the Family Cafe. I'm Joe McCann.
1: And I'm Jeremy Countryman. And we're staff members here at the Family Cafe headquarters in Tallahassee, Florida.
0: Since 1998, the Family Cafe has been providing opportunities for individuals with disabilities and their families to connect with each other, educate themselves about Florida's service delivery system, and develop the skills to influence public policy. We believe
1: that for communities to become more inclusive of people with disabilities, their voices need to be heard. To help make that happen, we've created this podcast, the Disability Advocacy Hour. In this podcast series, we'll examine all facets of living with a disability and the issues impacting the disability community.
0: Please keep in mind that the Family Cafe is a thoroughly nonpartisan organization, and any thoughts or opinions shared by invited speakers, ourselves, or other participants solely represent those individuals who do not necessarily reflect the positions of the Family Cafe. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Disability Advocacy Hour here at the Family Cafe. I am Joe McCann, and I am joined by my good friend, Jeremy. Say hello, Jeremy. I thought
1: for a second, Joe, you forgot my name.
0: No, I would never
1: forget your name, Jeremy. Thank goodness. Yes. Yes, this is Jeremy Countryman, Program Director here at the Family Cafe. Uh, Great, once again, to have you all join us on our podcast We're excited because today we're going to have a little bit of a chat about how you can get your financial house in order and some special tools that are available specifically for people with disabilities here in Florida to save some money without affecting their benefits you might be getting otherwise. And of course, my expertise in this area is limited, Joe. What's your expertise?
0: Uh, I would describe it as less than limited. Less than limited? Yeah, less than that. So zero. Higher than zero, but less than limited, somewhere in the middle.
1: Well, thank goodness we have our guest here today, the John Finch. Experts, yes. John Finch is the director of Able United, so he's going to tell us a whole lot today about Able United, and yes, the other thing that's cool is we have some questions that you guys submitted um, using the pig cards back during our virtual conference, so after we have John give us the run-through of what ABLE is about and how it works. We're going to have some of your real questions answered here on the show. That's right. It's a cool new thing.
0: That's live. So welcome, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm excited to share with you uh, what I think is one of the best uh, pieces of legislation that passed since the 80 Act uh, uh, 30 years ago almost now. So, uh, but thank you all for having me. I look forward to talking about ABLE United. Great, man. So John, let's just start off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, yeah. kind of how you came to, to be in this position and uh, how long you've been there. Tell us a little bit about what you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So I was very fortunate. I came on board uh, right before Able United launched. Uh, it's overseen by the Florida Prepaid College Board. And so here in the state of Florida, we launched the, the Able program back in uh, 2016, July 1, 2016 is when it launched. And so uh, I came on right before we launched, uh, but before that, Uh, I actually worked uh, almost 10 years at the ARC of Florida, so a statewide advocacy organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. They have 40 or so chapters across the state that do actually direct service provider type services. Uh, And I was fortunate um, working from the state side to do a lot of uh, or from the state level side to to work with different government partners and the legislator to uh, just advocate for for additional funding and make sure that people were getting services they needed. Uh, while there, I think the, the thing I was most known for is running their dental program. We were very fortunate and got an appropriation to say, hey, use this money to do something good. Uh, and we decided to do a, a statewide dental program for people with intellectual and de- developmental disabilities that are registered with APD. So, um, But that was kind of my background, and so uh, I come with the business, business administration side as well. So while Dark Florida, I did some of the CFO duties, uh, some of the accounting and all that fun stuff. And so. All that knowledge kind of put me in a really good spot to be able to come into this new program that the state was offering and run it.
1: Fantastic. Well, that's cool. So, you're not coming to it just as somebody who's like a number cruncher from the financial services end of it. You really do have a relationship to the disability community. So, that's, yeah. that's a big part of what Able United is about trying to build those connections and relationships with people out there in the community so they can kind of understand that this tool is there for them and specifically designed for them yeah so tell us a little bit about what able united is and how it works just kind of like lay out the basics okay so so
0: uh well i'll kind of give you the visionary story so it started uh more than a decade ago when some family members were sitting around the table and discussing the future of their children and then realized there really wasn't a tool for their their child with some kind of special need or unique ability to be able to save for the future without negatively impacting them um, you know, some of them had typical children and were able to save for college during a college savings plan, but they really couldn't put money aside for, for that child. And so, uh, through their hard work and advocacy, uh, the the Achieving a Better Life Experience Act finally passed in 2014. And what it did was allow states to create tax-advantaged savings and investment accounts specifically designed for people with a variety of disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just people that uh, have some kind of, um, may it be like APD where it's autism or it's an intellectual development disability, but it's pretty broad. So it can cover people with blindness or, uh, hearing impairments. It could be mental health types of disorders, such as schizophrenia or paranoia uh, or bipolar. Uh, and even to the point of like severe ADHD would be a qualified, uh, type of eligibility requirement for an ABLE account. And so here in the state, it was housed under the Florida prepaid college board. Uh, and, and when they set it up, they're kind of looking for somebody to say, OK, we, we do good with the financial piece, but we need to bring somebody that has some of network of capabilities for the disability community. And so I came on. Uh, and what's unique about the program is there's really nothing else like it. I usually tell people when, you know, when you're thinking about an ABLE account, what can you compare it to? And so I tell people it's kind of like a special needs trust, a checking and savings account and a, a 529 college plan rolled into one. Uh, and so it has some unique differences than all those, um, but it has some similar features. Uh, and so, Enable Account in itself is a tax advantage savings and investment account uh, designed specifically for people with disabilities to help pay for a variety of expenses. Uh, and what's unique is the types of expenses uh, that people can use these accounts for. Um, it, it's, it's pretty broad. So, when the Treasury kind of said, here's some, some guidelines on what you can do with the money in the account that you're saving for is it kind of give 13 broad buckets and it includes housing, transportation, uh, supported employment, assistive technology, basically anything that's gonna help improve or maintain somebody's health independence or quality of life. And so with that, uh, it was pretty broad because this is life-changing for some people because uh, many of the people we serve, uh, 40% are on supplemental security income. So they can't have more than $2,000 in assets right. so they could lose their benefit. Now, an ABLE account lets, lets them save more than that. Uh, and on the reverse side, Medicaid uh, doesn't look at the assets in this account either. So people now can, uh, for example, people on SSDI that that earn benefit either on their parents' benefit or from their work history, where it can be you know, $1, dollars to $100 a month. If they're on Medicaid, they're still limited to only $2,000 in cash. And so now they can dump that money in the ABLE account, keep their Medicaid, and, and really use it for a variety of expenditures. Was that something that happened after the original creation of the legislation that created ABLE that in terms of the SSI or Medicaid thing? I mean, because to me, you know, one of the most important parts of this is, is, you know, the real benefit is that, you know, you can keep your benefits. You yeah, can save a little bit of money and you can keep your benefits. Yeah. And I think that's part of what the premise was, was yeah. the, the family members that um, were sitting around and talking and saying, you know, my child, when they turn 18, if they have more than $2,000 for their name, they're automatically going to be disqualified for, for Medicaid or uh, any type of that type of funding that's going to transition them or assist them in, in their life. And so um, you know, outside of setting up a, a special needs trust, which is more estate planning, yeah. uh, life insurance policies. If I pass away, my house can get sold and right. money can go in there. Uh, There really wasn't a way. And and so that was what's unique about this. And and part of the the biggest advantage and one of the purposes was how can I put money aside and not impact my benefits? And So that was kind of the ultimate goal for it. Uh, And then that expanded to the different types of disabilities, because you really saw Down syndrome associations, some autism associations were the ones really pushing this. Uh, But when they sat down, they said, you know, we're going to broaden this to anybody that has a significant physical or mental impairment.
1: You know, it's interesting. I know that you mentioned special needs trust. And I think it'd be good to go into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I saw I wrote that down and Joe wrote it down, too. So that means we're both smart. On question the same mark. Page. On the same page. <laughs> so we're needing know, of more information. Let's yeah, that exactly. You know, we at the conference, we've had you guys there for several years mm-hmm. in a row and people have had a chance to talk to uh, representatives of ABLE. I know you've been there yourself yep. in person a bunch of times. One of the questions I always see coming up around this is, what's the difference between an able account and a special needs trust? How do I know which one I should pick? If I have a special needs trust, can I move it into an able account? So, can you talk a little bit about the differences and the relationship yeah. between those two things?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would love to. And uh, just to be clear, I am not an attorney, so this isn't legal advice. So I'll try <laughs> to do my best of just giving, yeah. We should, should a blanket statement. Nobody at this table is an attorney, <laughs> so please do not ever <laughs> of this. Yeah. Uh, but but high level, they, there are two different types of tools for your financial tool. Ball. That's how, how we usually phrase it, is uh, a special needs trust is really part of estate planning for the most part. These are mm-hmm. people who uh, you have family or you have parents that are saying, OK, if something happens to me, how do I know that my loved one is going to be cared for after I pass? And so often special needs trusts are funded with life insurance policy. So if I pass away, that gets, you know funded. It can go into a, a trust. Uh, it can deal with housing or other assets, uh, or maybe you have someone that won the lottery and, and they have to get a first, par- first par- party uh, special needs trust where it's it's my money, but I still need my Medicaid benefits. Where can I stash this sum of money? Right. And you can set up that type of special needs trust as well. And so so high level special needs trust really is good for long-term planning. It's part of the, the entire picture. Uh, and it's really dealing with planning for forever. Uh, ABLE accounts are unique and it's more of the here and now. So I want to be able to put 50 bucks a month to the side. uh, Where can I put that at and it gain tax-free earnings? Uh, That's what an ABLE account really is. Um, Because there are some restrictions, you can only put $15,000 in it per calendar year into an ABLE account, Uh, but it can be funded from a variety of people. So the beneficiary, that person with a disability, they can put their own money in the ABLE account mom and dad can put money in the account. They can set up a, we have a gifting page, kind of like a GoFundMe page. So other parties can contribute to somebody's ABLE account. Uh, and it really allows them to get money now into an account uh, and then be used when they need it. So it could be right. used a couple of weeks down the road or it could be used several years down the road, right? really yeah. up to them. So it's, it's pretty unique. How much, what is the maximum amount somebody can have in the account? Yeah. On the top end. Yeah. So on the top end, like I said, it's fifteen thousand per calendar year and that resets every January one. Uh, and that's tied to the gifting tax. So that amount will go up uh, every three to four years or so. But you can have four hundred and eighteen thousand dollars in the account before you can no longer contribute. Gotcha. You can keep growing tax-free, but uh you won't just be able to put any additional money in it. Okay. Well, that'd be a great problem to have Four hundred eighteen thousand dollars Yeah, yeah. It, you know, and, and we'll probably get to their questions there, but uh eventually I can see people using yeah. these accounts to hey, I want to buy a house with right. my ABLE account, and you could do that. So that's pretty cool. Well, I mean, that's the idea in terms of some independence later mm-hmm. in life when i want aren't here anymore. Yep. Um, what's the biggest misconception that you deal with in your job in terms of what ABLE United is and does? Yeah, I think the biggest misconception we receive is, is it real, right? Because right. <laughs> most of the people uh, that we talk to, uh, especially uh, adults or older adults who've been on benefits for a while, you're always told, do not save more than $2,000. Oh, yeah. Do not, do not, you know, if you go you put yeah, in a grandma's insurance. mattress, right. Right. Uh, hide the money, just spend it down. Do not save, right? That is the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. And ABLE accounts, just flip yeah. that on your head. Uh, and what's been challenging is it's not Social Security telling you this or the Medicaid offices or it, it it's a state agency that you're really not familiar with unless you've done college savings. It's telling you, no, no, now it's okay. Uh, These are things called able accounts. And so I think there's just some is a big hurdle to get over because you're really shifting a mentality of, of a population that said do not save to now saying it's okay to save, but it has to be in this specific type of account.
1: Now, what if you're someone who is perhaps listening to this and you're not somebody who, uh, is dealing with those two thousand dollar limits um around your benefits mm-hmm. but you're still looking at oh what are some various saving instruments i could use to put money away for my kid or for myself if I'm a person with disability that's not on public benefits yeah. um are there advantages to using an able account versus something like you know a 529 for college savings for your kid or a or a 401k for yourself if you're yeah. late at retirement is it um, How's how, how do you think about those questions yeah. when you're not somebody that has that income limitation?
0: Yeah, I, I think part of it, so you, so you have the one big advantage of being able to maintain eligibility for government benefits, but the other one big advantage is this is the tax advantage account, and so what that means is think of like a Roth IRA, so you're putting after-tax dollars into this investment or retirement account, the same thing goes for the ABLE account, so these are after-tax dollars going into it, so you have the potential to get tax-free earnings which is is always good I and mean, if you look at some of our investments historically they've made five ten i've heard some people went 15 20 percent one year um you know that doesn't predict what the future is but that's that's free money right, right. and then also what you can use it on right and, and so while i was talking earlier about the qualified disability expenses you know basically the IRS kind of boiled it down saying, Hey, if this relates to that person with a disability and it helps improve or maintain their health independence or quality of life it is a qualified disability expense. So, so think of a way to say, Hey, how hey, can I earn, a, you know, even our FDIC options are like, you know, half a percent or something like that. It's like, that's free money. And I can use it to pay my cell phone bill. If I need help uh, with my car payments, I can use it to pay for that. So it's just a, a different way to to save uh and get free earnings. I mean, who doesn't want, yeah. I mean, who who likes to pay taxes? You know?
1: And <laughs> following up on that, you mentioned, you know, how different types of investment options uh have different types of returns. Who makes the decisions about how the money is invested? And mm-hmm. do you like work with somebody at Able to yeah. uh, make the decisions about how much
0: risk you wanna have and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that 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 was interesting. So so coming from the 529 side. Uh, and this was a, a big discussion point that we continue to see with other ABLE programs because we're, we're unique to the state of Florida, uh, but there's 42 other programs across the country uh, that are run by different states. Each state can set up in their own. Uh, and, and so that was something that was just an unknown because we're like, OK, how do you you're launching a new investment savings tool to a population that is, could be unfamiliar with saving or investing? How, what kind of products do you offer them, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we were like, well, get some name recognition type products. So we have two Vanguard options, uh, US stock and a US bond option. It's a very broad, already diversified kind of mutual fund. Uh, we also have an international stock option that's run by BlackRock. Uh, but then we wanted some, some savings type tools. So people who are like, I'm risk averse, I don't want my money to be tied up in the market. What, what can I put my money in? And so we have two, we have an FDIC option uh, that's through our records administrator called Bank of New York Mellon. So they kind of run our FDIC option. It's gonna give you a very small interest return, but it's FDIC insured, mm-hmm. so that's always good. Uh, and then we also have a money market account that's kind of like the state's money market account. It's called Florida Prime. It's unique because a lot of state insta- uh, uh, agencies and instrumentalities across the state put any excess dollars in here and it gains a little bit better than a, a savings account would. Uh, But but those, you know, so we have a range. We really wanted to make it for people who were either a I just want this to be a savings account. You can use it like that. Or maybe they want to do an investment account. They can do that or or a little bit of both. Right. Um,
1: So so if I have a thousand dollars, say, and I want to start an ABLE account for my son who qualifies disability wise, then I would have a conversation with someone about ABLE, about how to divide that up across those different.
0: Yeah, investment options. It, and it's all self-driven too. So so we, we try to provide as much information as we can on our website. So people who want to know what the investment options are, they can look at the performance, they can they can do all that on our website, uh, but it's all self-directed. So when they go to open the account for the first time, they're gonna say, Hey, check your investment options, and it's all a dollar amount, which I think is a little more user-friendly instead of doing a percent basis going, okay, 25% here, 50% here. Well, you're gonna say, okay, I got 50 bucks, or in this case, a thousand dollars. Where do I want to put that thousand dollars? Do I want to put $500 okay. in a pre-designed portfolio, which we have three of—a conservative, moderate, or growth—or okay. do they want to just put it all in the savings or investment? It's up to them. Uh, and what's even better is when the money comes out, they get to choose how that money comes out too. So it lets you separate your savings and your investment options. Um, but something I didn't mention, oh. which I should have done at the beginning, was. Uh, the qualification, so we talked about it has to be a severe type of disability, but also that disability had to occur prior to age 26. It doesn't matter the age of the person now, they can be, we have people in their right. 80s. To start it. Yeah, uh, but they, their disability occurred when they're a child or, or at birth. Yeah. so let me ask you this question. It's a little bit of an expansion of what you asked, Jeremy, but like, um, I'm sure one of the things that you hear a lot is, look, I don't, you know, have a lot of money. I don't make a lot of money. My question to you is sort of like, who should be doing this, right? I mean, in terms of a minimum amount of money to start with, mm-hmm. I hope your answer is everybody should be doing this. Yes. <laughs> I expect it to be something yes. <laughs> like that, right? But like, you know, there's gonna be a lot of people listening yeah. to this thinking, look, we barely make ends meet, right? Yeah. You know, we can barely save any money, you know, paycheck to paycheck. What do you say to those? those yeah. And, and so we're trying to make this, first of all, the most affordable solution. So I didn't really talk about fees because we really don't have fees. Uh, there is no monthly maintenance fee. Um, there is our, our investments have a small investment advisor fee but that's taken out of performance, you really don't see that fee. Uh, and, and so that's the one way one way we do it is we just we don't make this as free as possible for the people. Okay. Uh, and then also that there's only a minimum contribution when you first open the account of twenty five dollars. Wow. Uh, and so we tell uh, and we're working to try to show people, hey, do what you can, right? That's you right. know some people might be only to put five dollars in a month. Yeah. Uh and some people might say, hey, but I, I put a hundred dollars in it this year, uh, and it can just sit there. Um, and we've seen that as well. And so it it what's interesting citrus, I wrote some stats down. So one is uh from um America Saves, and they said 50% of people who have a savings plan save. All right. Yeah. Compared to people who don't have a savings plan are not saving. Wow. So so it's just getting started. And I think that's the hardest thing. is yeah. like, what can I do? Can can I for can I put twenty-five dollars down this month and then just see, try it out? Because we we uh, like I said, even if you wanted to cancel your account, you you know there's no fees to do that. So so we just try to get people. It's like we just encourage people to try it out, see if it's something you could utilize, uh, and check out the cool features that it offers.
1: You can trick yourself into savings just by uh, make the account right.
0: You got to make that happen. That's so important. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of qualified expenditures? So how can I spend my money? Got my yeah. money in the account. How do I, how am I able to spend it? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And uh, it's pretty unique because there is no preauthorization on getting your money out of the account. Cause some, sometimes you hear of uh, yeah. these types of accounts where like if it's a retirement account or right. a college savings account it has to be for higher education expenses or these rules and restrictions uh, you, it's all self-directed. And so we provide you with the guidance saying, Hey, it needs to fall into these 13 broad categories. It has to be used for something that's going to help or improve your health independence or quality of life but ultimately it's up to you. And so I tell people think of, think of the expense you're gonna have, why is it a qualified disability expense? Does it, you know, for example, if I'm paying my cell phone, maybe uh, I'm autistic and I need a, a cell phone to help better communicate, that's a qualified disability expense. Or I want to be more independent, so if I can live on my own and maybe get an apartment or put a down payment on a home, that's a qualified disability expense. And I usually tell people, you know, as long as you're not just giving the money away or buying alcohol or tobacco or huh. drugs or gambling, you know, those types of things are, will probably not be qualified disability expenses. Yeah. But ultimately, it's between you and the IRS, and that's only if the IRS ever asks you. Uh, people on Supplemental security income, there's a little more restrictions because Social Security is looking at this monthly. So if you do have a withdrawal from your ABLE account and you're on SSI, you can expect them saying, hey, you took 100 bucks out of your ABLE account. What was it used for? Use right. it for food, that's a qualified disability expense. You, you use it to okay. you know, uh, get around town with a bus pass. I was going to say, what about a car? What about a down yeah, car for yeah a car, big qualified disability expense. Are know? those the more common expense? Like, what, what, what yeah, do you so, so what we hear most of the people are using is um, there's kind of two broad categories. The, the biggest one is most everybody so far is a saver that has, ha- had a, has an right. ABLE account. They're just chunking money in there. They might have a withdrawal once or twice a year. Okay. Uh, but there's about eight to 10% that are frequent withdrawals. They're making at least okay. one withdrawal a month or more. Uh, and from, from what we've seen and what we've gotten feedback from is most time people are using it to pay for their, uh, various hospital appointments or doctor's appointments. Okay. Um, they're using it to pay their monthly car bill. Uh, they're using it to pay rent mortgage or some type of other fees. Uh, I've seen a handful just paying their visa card off every month mm-hmm. because most likely what you're using your credit card for is going to be a qualified disability expense because you're probably buying groceries or clothing uh, or some of those everyday living expenses, which is a qualified disability. So really, it seems
1: like pretty much anything connected to independent living, you can make a case as disability related if you're a person with disability. So it is pretty broad.
0: Yeah, it is pretty broad. And what's funny is I I heard this when we first launched the program is is a lot of attorneys in this kind of field that that deal with special needs trusts and we're talking through ABLE accounts, they said, the great thing for you is irs is more disability friendly than social security administration or medicaid sometimes right, right. so so ultimately that's who you're going to be dealing with uh and like i said you know we, we talk to irs regularly quarterly check on us just to make sure that you know how many accounts are active uh but but once again they're very pro you know trying to make this the most usable friendly a well there's a technical question
1: related to that and this is i saw this in our set of questions people submitted so i'm going to jump to it let's say the whole withdrawal and the $2,000 thing. Mm-hmm. If I have $2,000 and I need to go buy something and I withdraw the money. And then I have more than $2,000 between when I take the money out of my ABLE account and when I spend mm-hmm. it, is that an issue that. Is no. I'm going kind
0: of work around. Yeah. That yeah. So, so, there? so what's unique is they say when you take the money out of the ABLE account, as long as it remains identifiable. So if I had $4,000 in my, uh, able account and a thousand dollars in my checking account. I took out three thousand right. from my able account, uh, so now my checking account is sitting at four grand. As long as I can identify, saying, "Hey, here's this three thousand dollars for," uh, I can identify it, and I'm gonna, I have a determinable use for it. So I'm gonna use it for an upcoming surgery three years down, or three months down okay. the road, or I'm gonna put a down payment on a car in, right. in August, September. You can do that. like you know, you could you could put the money in able account, take it right out, and just sit there. You just have to have a you know a purpose of what it's going to right. be ultimately used for. Ultimately, too, you need you need to be able to show what you use. Yeah, exactly, yeah, definitely keep those receipts. Let me ask you this, and this is kind of going, I'm glad you asked that question, Jerry, because this one is sort of basic as well. But just explain for everybody, just what exactly what is the difference between a regular savings account? And I yeah. think Your answer is going to be a tax thing here, but yeah, between an able United account and a, and a regular savings account. Yeah, yeah, it, it really it's unique on the type of person because. An ABLE account is both a savings and an investment tool. Okay. So, so unlike if I had a bank at my local credit union or a savings account there, you're, you know, you're putting in and you're getting paid whatever the savings rate is. Yeah. Uh, None, Able's which unique, is like next to nothing. Yeah, which is next to nothing. Yeah. ABLE is unique because it can be both a savings or an investment tool. So now okay. you have options to invest in the market. Um, so that's one unique difference. Also is the, the money in it doesn't count as a resource for government benefits. Uh, so that's another And it would in a benefit. savings account. And it would yeah, in a savings right. account, right? Because, you know, yeah. if you have, once you hit over $2,000 in any combined liquid asset, so a checking or a savings yeah. account, you can be dinged and have your benefits, uh, you know, denied or taken away from you. Uh, and so so that's one unique, that's another yeah. unique thing. And then it's also the, the tax advantage growth. Because even if you do, it's like the investment option. And yeah. It gets gains on it, you don't have to pay taxes on it. Right. So that's, that's, that's the three big benefits of, gotcha. of having an ABLE account. I'm going to ask a
1: question here. I like to talk about my kid. So I'm going to talk about him again. So here he is. I was telling about him earlier before we started the recording. So he's here in Florida, Um, he's going to college in a different state. Yep. What happens if you are a person living in Florida and you have an account and you move to a different state? Can, do you have to move to a state that's one of those 42 that has a similar program, mm-hmm. or can you keep it where you started because yep. you started when you were here? Is, what's, yep. How's the portability? Yeah, there? so
0: so ABLE United, we are Florida's Florida program, and so you do have to be a Florida resident when you apply, uh, but that's only at the time of the application. So if you do move out of state, you can take the ABLE United account with you. Most of it's done all online, so you can just have that access online. But we always encourage people, hey, if you move out of the state, see what that state's able program offers. Because some states have state income tax and contributions to that state's able program might be able to be reduced from your state taxes. Right. So that's kind of a big benefit. Um, and there's some other unique benefits that different able programs offer that's unique to that state.
1: But you could keep it
0: here. Yeah, you but you could, sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and as we long see as you that. started it here, so you go yeah. away, you yeah. can keep and I mean everything is online anyway. So it's not like oh, mm-hmm. I want to make sure close to me yeah sort of yeah and we do hear that question a lot is saying you know um because there could be some some hesitation with doing an account like especially savings or investment account online only because you don't have that in person sit down walk me through kind of relationship with able uh since we are run by the state that's just the most efficient way we can run this program is online Uh, but we do have customer service so people can call and talk to a live customer service uh, rep we have paper applications, so you could start an account through snail mail and mail in an application and handle your account uh, with a phone call or with written request, uh, but we just don't have that brick and mortar type, you know, institution that a lot of banks do. Yeah,
1: because we got actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because that was one of the questions, uh, mm-hmm. there are a couple that related to this idea that, you know, some people are nervous about doing yep. things online. There were a couple of people who mentioned, "Oh, yep. I had an issue with um, some type of identity theft or yep. what have you." So, yep. am I correct in assuming that that's the kind of thing you guys are well on top of? And yeah, have all yeah. Of protocols and yeah, things in place we're to we're pretty that?
0: fortunate in um. So so the way Able's sent, so we are a state-run program, but we have a what we call records keeper administrator. That's that, that handles the backend, that handles our customer service, that kind of functionality. And that's actually through Bank of New York Mellon, which people are kind of, so that's kind of weird because we're in Florida. Why would that you know, company run a, a, a Florida program? Uh, and, and so, as any state, we have to go out for procurement. They right. came back with us, um, and it was just amazing what they were able to offer. So, BNY Mellon, some people aren't familiar with that, but they handle over $1.4 trillion in transactions on an annual basis. So, basically, about a third of all money in the world goes through BNY. Uh, which is kind of, which is kind of, like, you know, astronomical number when you think about how many trillions of dollars that is, uh, and so to to say that we are this record keeper uh, is on right. top of their game would, would be an understatement. Yeah, right. You know, they they better be. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> they yeah, got one yeah, third of the money going We, we have system. one of their uh, risk officers on this uh, call internally because we're trying to get him to present to our board, and uh, he actually sits on the SEC board, so the the Security yeah. Exchange Commission's board. He has a seat on there and is able to actually provide them with information on what they see going on when it comes to cyber attacks or cybersecurity issues. uh, And to think that we, as as a Florida program, are able to have that kind of reassurance, saying, "Hey, the best and the best are are, you know watching over these accounts." That's great. That is reassuring. Well, why don't we ask some of these pink card questions, Jeremy? What do you think? Yeah, let's do that. Let's go back and forth. So, so, well, how about this? So we've got So just for everybody knows, we've got a few pages, a couple of pages of these things. Some of them are be a little bit redundant, but I think it's important. Everybody, you know, we're, we actually do ask these questions when yep. we get them in. So let's just kind of race through and forgive us if they're a little bit repetitive. OK, some of your answers may be short, but I'll do the first one. I have an ABLE account. Say I got to buy a house down the road. Can I pull out every penny toward a down payment? Would that be a qualifying withdrawal? Yes, that uh, that is, that. first of all, if you, if you get to that point, congratulations, do share your story on social media or reach out to us because we would love to highlight them. We're always looking for these success stories on how people are using their ABLE accounts. But yes, uh, we, we've heard of people saying, I'm, I'm using it to save for a down payment for a house. But yeah, you could, you know, let's say you had $200,000 and say, hey, I need to go ahead and close out this account or t- withdraw all of that money and send it in for a, for a down payment. Yeah, you could do that, and uh, be a great story too. Hard, yes. Cool, hard, yes. All right, okay, here. Here's another one. Do the next
1: one. My son has autism, is currently receiving SSI through his father's disability. Can we use this for an able account?
0: Yes. Yeah. We we actually Social Security clarified what they call their PALMS manual, which is a Program Operations Manual system that, uh, and with that, they outline specifically on able accounts and how Social Security looks at it. And so they even clarify saying, hey, yeah, Social Security payments could go directly into an ABLE account. Um, and we still don't know what that means. But, yeah, we still a lot of people who are saying, uh, for example, on this situation where the child is getting probably a lot more than that SSI check of $750 a month, uh, now they're able to say, I could dump those excess funds in an ABLE account, keep me under that $2,000 limit so I can still be eligible for Medicaid. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely a great place to, to store excess funds from Social Security. I got the next one. Okay, shoot. Uh the next couple were really answered previously, Jeremy, these two right here. So let's go to this one. How about if an account is established by a guardian, does the individual with disability have direct access to the account? So that's a good question. Yes or no, uh, I would say maybe. Uh, so, so a guardian who establishes an account can do that as long as they have that guardianship over that individual. And if that individual is age then yes, they're not going to have access to the account. But when that individual turns 18, they may be able to access the account depending on the information they have about the ABLE account. So they would have to know who to call, the account number, uh, who the administrator on the account is, so in case this is the guardian. Right. So there's some additional hoops they would have to draw. Yes. Uh, but it's important to know that the ABLE account itself is actually the owner of it is that person with the disability. So gotcha. it is their account technically, okay. but they could have a guardian oversee it. Right, and that's sort of a different issue than the account itself. Exactly. Or how exactly. that is established would impact that. But it is your money. Yeah, exactly.
1: Cool. All right, I'm going to jump down the bottom of the page here. Do it. That's this question about 529s. Okay. Yes. So, if you can roll another family member's 529 into the able account, how does that work if the amount in the other account is more than fifteen thousand dollars? So a... I guess two parts. Mm-hmm. One, can you move? Five twenty nine money into an able account. First of all, and what do you do if it's more than fifteen k? That is a that
0: is a good question and a question I'm glad that we're starting to see more of. And so the answer is yes. So uh, subsequent legislation passed in twenty, I think seventeen, that allow five twenty nine college savings plans to roll over to able accounts, which is great because some people had either family members that could use the money. Uh, or they have leftover 529 plans that they weren't going to use, or maybe the child was planning to going to college, and now they have this 529 plan, what can I do with it? And so, so the answer is yes, you can roll over. And uh, it's unique is that it's, it's broader than an able-to-able rollover. Uh, so 529 to an able rollover uh, is pretty broad. It can be basically any family members. It could be brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, mom, dad, um, even first cousins. I mean, it, it's pretty broad. Uh, and how it would work is that you would do a, what they call a, a 529 to able rollover, and it is limited to 15,000 per calendar year. Uh, and so, in the case where if there's more than 15,000, it would just have to happen over subsequent years. Right. Uh, but they it, still do. But we we've, we've seen a couple of situations where somebody had, you know, 20,000. It's like, okay, we do 15,000 this year, and there's January one, yeah, back on. out, and we'll, we'll yeah, for the rest over. So the last one in this kind of be the first page. we we'll kind of be done at this point with that part. But um, tell us a little bit about, if somebody wanted information, I assume you guys have a website or something. Somebody who's asking about where do I find information yep. about St. Johns County? And, there, and then is there a list of states uh, that have Medicaid payback available for ABLE? How does, what, what is the website? What are they looking at? Okay. Uh, and then I'll answer the second part of the question too. So ableunited.com is our website. Um, you'll go there and have all the information you need. So we have a very broad FAQ section that's going to answer a lot of these frequently asked questions that we hear about, most yeah. of them that were mentioned today are on there. Uh, but that's how they're going to go to get all their answers to the questions, but that's also how they're going to open and establish the account. Uh, now, if somebody is looking for other ABLE programs outside of the state or maybe they're listening to your podcast and they're yeah. not in Florida. Um, there's a couple of good resources out there. Uh, Able NRC, so it's Able National Resource Center, or ablenrc.org. They they are kind of a warehouse of all the different Able programs across gotcha. the country, good. Uh, and that's a good place to go. Uh, and then just type in like Able program and in your state yeah. uh, or another state to kind of see what pops up, and we will kind of give you the information you need. Uh, the second part of that question was something I did want to address it's called Medicaid payback or Medicaid recovery. And so when ABLE accounts first was established, uh, there was this Medicaid recovery provision in federal statute that basically said that after a beneficiary passes away, any outstanding uh, funds in the ABLE account could be used to pay any remaining qualified disability expenses, including funeral and burial. But that the individual was on Medicaid, that the state could file a claim on those ABLE funds to be recouped for whatever Medicaid expenditures were provided. Uh, since the establishment of that able account, and so for some people that is very fearsome because it's like, well, you know, this is my child, and, and, and you know, what happens if my child passes away at 25, and I've been putting $15,000 a year in their able account, now the state's going to claim it. Uh, and so, in order to deal with that, we have, here in the state passed state legislation that says, here in the state of Florida, the Medicaid, Florida's Medicaid, will not file a claim on an able account. And instead, it would go to that person's estate. Now, what that did is two things. First of all, it removed the state for having to track ABLE accounts and file a claim on an ABLE account for Medicaid recovery. But also, it kind of aligned it to what currently exists for Medicaid recovery, which is Medicaid estate recovery. So that's really unique into it only kicks in if somebody's 55 or older, doesn't have a surviving spouse or a child with a disability they're recovering for, or they're they're taken care of uh then that would come into effect so, so we kind of eliminated the idea of saying oh uh i have a child they pass away now the state's going to come in and that's no longer an issue
1: that's good to know yes that would that would be scary
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm gonna ask this question because i don't know what this is and i'm kind of curious if you do okay is there a spendthrift provision enable account agreements. Yeah. So what that's is a spendthrift provision. So
0: there? so if my uh, financial hat if if I'm saying this right and hopefully it isn't in the Please let you all know if you get any messages, please reach back out to me. Well directly straight to Yeah, you. there you go right <laughs> straight to me. But from my understanding a spendthrift uh, provision is basically uh, the ability to to use this account as a retirement account in order to take some retirement benefits such as um, the savers credit. So for example if you're saving um, outside of a work type of savings tool, you can be able to deduct some of those money you're putting away for retirement from your, your taxes, which is always good. And they actually did uh, pass some legislation that allows ABLE accounts. When you when you go to contribute to an ABLE account and asks you, is this an ABLE to work contribution? Which basically means, hey, I, I'm using an ABLE account to save for retirement. I'm not saving in a workplace type of retirement account or independently on my own, then they'll be able to take care of the tax event evan- that savers credit to reduce their taxes. So, so yes, yeah, so an ABLE account could be used for a senior. Oh, cool. How about this one? Can a monthly pension benefit be directed to an ABLE account? Yes, it can, but but it's, it's a little unique in how an ABLE account is set up because it's not a bank account so you're not going to get some bank account number and a routing number like you would when you set up a checking or savings account so for in order for a pension account to come directly to an able account there's just a, some more paperwork that has to be filled out we have a direct deposit form on our website that can be forwarded on to it but often what we're seeing is people are putting money into a banking or it's got a bank account whether it be checking or savings and then making that transfer over because you can do an electronic transfer from your banking or checking account over to the ABLE account. And that's also how you would get money out of the account as well. Okay.
1: Jeremy? Yeah, let's jump down to the bottom of the page here. Yeah. Is that where yeah, we're yeah, at? Yeah, that's All right. Thinking, yeah. I'm 45 years old with disability since birth. My elder parents and I were thinking about setting money aside for use at a later time for myself using a long-term account. When my parents pass on and they have benefits assigned to me as their beneficiary, would I be able to deposit that money into the account without losing my SSDI, Medicare, Medicaid, SOC?
0: So I don't know what SOC stands for, so, so forgive me for that. But it overall, maybe so, Social Security. Social so security, security, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so for the most part, yes, you're, you're gonna be able to um, put excess funds you give uh, if your parents pass away and you're getting a, an additional benefit from SSDI into an ABLE account. And still maintain eligibility for Medicaid, uh, which is which is a great resource. So we see a lot of people that, you know, because with SSDI, uh, you know, if you're on your parents and they pass away, you're you get a bump in how much you get each month, and that could, you know, get hit that $2,000 limit in two months, and yeah. so it's like, what do I do with these extra funds? You can dump those in an able account now and, and keep your Medicaid. Perfect. So this could next, you, Go ahead. well, just Go ahead. to follow up on that, yeah.
1: Let's say I'm doing estate planning and one of my beneficiaries has an ABLE account, can I put in my estate plan that I can bequeath the money directly to go to the account so the person doesn't have to worry about yeah. sort of- Yeah, we, we've British actually
0: we've actually seen some of that money come in. I think one of the first checks that um, that we worked through when the program first set, uh, was established was a grandparent left money for a child who had an ABLE account, and the ABLE account was the beneficiary of that uh, insurance policy. And so- um, we got that check and it was more than the 15,000. So we deposited what we could, uh, up to that 15,000 hour limit and then cut a check for the rest for the benefit of that survivor, uh, for the, for the, for the child. So, yeah, so we've seen, uh, people be able to do that. Is it the best tool? Uh, not really. I mean, if it's over 15,000, definitely, you know, that's when you have to start talking about special needs trust. If you're thinking hundreds of thousands of dollars, but if it's, maybe $10,000 or a small settlement of $5,000. Yeah, just have it go directly to the ABLE account. Gotcha. John, let me ask you this one, and you've sort of answered it already in terms of BNY and it it being at the forefront of security and stuff, but this is a legitimate question, so let me ask you, I don't know if there's a different way to answer this, but this person says, I'm still a little skeptical about putting all my info and conducting all transactions online. I've had all of my info, medical and personal, stolen from a major hospital. I'm wondering myself how Able United would protect our info from getting hacked or stolen. I even have concerns about later down the road, Able United goes out of business or changes hands with another management company. What would happen to our accounts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are valid questions. I mean, especially if you just look at, uh overall in the yeah, whole market I mean, it's a online, question for every yeah, bank, yeah, every for, anywhere you every money. bank but uh, i mean especially for for this type of community you just yeah. see that that's the highest form of abuse now is financial abuse yeah. for people with disabilities and elderly people as well and so it, you know um i can say we we have the necessary safeguards we're very fortunate is is overall there's just a very small network of people working yeah. on able account so i'm like um you know who has access directly to your account information is, is really limited compared right. to some, some banks or gotcha. credit unions. Um, but you know, ultimately, you know, it is, it is, uh, this yeah. type of age now where you do have to, you know, you put right. that information online, uh, online, and, uh, it's out there and it, it's kind of cer- concerning cause you, always see data breaches happening. It's like, right. Oh, your information might've been part of this data breach. And, uh, we actually just had a data breach, um, response plan meeting, last week and so so we are aware of this and we're trying to make sure right. that we're make making sure that this is the most safe and secure method of from people because we you know, know, and, it's you, know you are part of the sba i mean yeah. you're part of state board administration so yep. this is the state of Florida. this is not like giving your information to an individual bank or a credit yeah. union or something like that i mean i assume that you know comes with certain safeguards considering that this is also the same entity that deals with the entire pension system for the state of Florida, yeah, which is right. a, awesome. a lot more than probably most people have. Like for you, for example, for you, Jeremy, then you have in your personal savings account. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. talking billions of yeah, dollars yeah. goes through here. Well, I got billions of dollars. Billions yeah, <laughs> in your mind, but, but I will you know. not by lunch, right? <laughs> I know. Uh, well, that right.
1: actually goes to the other part of that because the second part of the question talked about Able United going out of business or changing hands. Yeah. That can't really happen because it's essentially something that exists in statute, Yeah, right?
0: exactly. And so the way we're set up is since we're under Florida prepaid, in Florida prepaid, I mean, we're only managing about $15 billion for, for people's higher education expenses. So not like the pension fund that's like $450, billion, sure. $500 billion. Yeah, right. dollars. Uh, but yeah, so we're, we're we're backed by you know a, one state agency that's been around since the state of Florida just about. Uh, and then also Florida prepaid, which has been managing people's higher education expenses for 30 plus years. So uh, right. us ourselves, we're not going to go anywhere as long as the state doesn't go anywhere, which hopefully, you know. Um, we got bigger problems. We, in we got bigger problems. Right, exactly. uh, and, and the same thing I say with our records keeper, you know, being my melon, we touches a third yeah. of all money in the world goes out of business yeah. Something's wrong with them. Right. I, I think there's some bigger issues. So, so I, you know. No, okay. yeah, no. yeah, I mean, you're mm-hmm. right. I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's about as sick as you can possibly possibly go. What do you think? Is that it? I think that's probably, I don't uh, know.
1: I think the one thing we got to do is remind everybody where they can get information about this. They want to know more and how they can get John directly. And I was also going to ask, I think that September
0: is an important year. Yeah. September is a, is a huge month. Um, so, so we do these quarterly campaigns to kind of just bring awareness to, to what an able account is. Uh, I mean, I just conducted about 10 or 15 trainings for vocational rehab, um, who, you know, their job is to help people with disabilities get employed. And surprisingly, and well, not really surprisingly, but the majority of people that were staffed never heard of ABLE accounts because uh, we are a newer program. And so to bring awareness, we really are focusing September. to we were calling it save in September, right? Uh, and we really want to just get people to say, hey, just try it out. Uh, it is a $25 minimum contribution. But if you do that, we're going to give you 50 bucks uh, just to get started. We'll put that money nice. into your account. Um, just to try out and see if it's, uh, you know, something that could work for you. Because we know, uh, and the stats show, you know, if you just have 500 bucks uh, in an account, you're more likely to continue to save. And then also, you know, with uh, the need to have an emergency funding, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you tell me this time last year that we'd be in this situation where we're all sitting around a table with masks on inside of a building and uh, this pandemic, you know, and, and the, the amount has impacted people for employment opportunities, but also it can wear and tear on whatever savings you have. So just the need to to have some funds available. Uh, and Able account is a great tool to be able to put that money into it and you know hopefully make it go farther But ableunited.com yes. is our website. Uh facebook.com backslash able united if you're a big social media fan. We're also on LinkedIn and Pinterest now and we're working on Instagram maybe. Uh, but if you type in <laughs> Able United in your Google search yeah. bar or whatever search engine you use, you'll probably see us right at the top. That's the best way to get that information. Yes. And if you forget that, just type in Florida able program. Yeah. Something of that. Or and you can call us, us and we'll yeah, tell there you. How there you, you we'll go. All you exactly. of that doesn't you work, work. You call, call Jeremy. Call <laughs> me 24 seven. What's I'm your available. home phone number
1: Jeremy? It's one 800.
0: Yeah. Right. Joe McCann. There you go. You know, the other thing, there if you want to talk
1: to people from Able and, uh, possibly get to meet john in person and pepper him with all your many questions uh, they're always there at the annual yes. family cafe which is of course happening next june 23rd annual family cafe so i'm sure yes. abel will be there will be more yes. than excited to talk to anybody who's on hand about their questions about the program how it works anything up that alley and seriously
0: able united has been one of the longest partners we've had and, and we enjoy working with you guys and we do incredible work and so you know thanks for all the help you've brought to us over the years too well i appreciate, appreciate it you. it's always a great venue and i'm looking forward to giving back in person and seeing everybody and, and having our booths and reaching out and talking to the, to the audience so well we're looking look forward, forward to it too for sure absolutely all
1: right thanks very much for being here with us today john we really appreciate thank it you.
0: Thank, thank you, you so all much. Appreciate it. Anytime.
1: All right, so before we sign off on um, the Family Cafe Disability Advocacy Hour podcast, there are a couple things we want to highlight. Yes. Some important reminders. First of all, uh, have you seen our new website? I have not. It's so fancy.
0: No, I'm so kidding. fancy. I have. I have. Of you have it's, very nice. yeah, it's very nice. Good. very nice. Because
1: I was going to have to put a note in
0: your file. No.
1: That's at familycafe.net. And one of the cool things we have there now that we encourage you to check out is the interactive program from the 22nd annual Family Cafe. We went back. Of course, we couldn't include all those many sessions in our live stream event that we did back in June. So if you go to the video section of the website, there's an interactive version of the program. You can click on the sessions and you can watch videos or view slideshows from almost every presentation that we'd originally planned to have. At the 22nd annual family cafe so that's pretty cool
0: as disappointing as it was to not be able to do the cafe live um you know this is really an opportunity to to see more content than we anybody has ever seen before because of course yeah uh you can't be everywhere at once during the cafe so um so this is really kind of cool and you know you and i did so many of those live in the live sessions i'm what 26 28 22 22 yeah are you sure about that i'm, I'm so that. sure
1: I'll bet you all, all right. the billion dollars in my second account. i bet you my ABLE account. Um,
0: <laughs> no, uh, those were really thing, fun, and th- those, yeah. those were really substantive. We are able to really kind of drill down and then just be able to just really see everything that everybody talked about at the cafe is just an incredible amount of content and information to get.
1: And even though we just put that out last week, mm-hmm. it's already time to start thinking about the 23rd annual Family Cafe next yes. June. So one thing we want to let you guys know about that is it's just about time for us to start looking for presentation proposals Uh, in the middle of September. We're going to have that presentation proposal form up there on our website. So if you ever thought to yourself, hey, I'd like to do a presentation at the Annual (laughs) Family Cafe. Or if you thought to yourself, hey, this person I just met is really cool and interesting and has some great resources, they should do a presentation. Now's the time to start thinking about that. So we're going to put that out there into the world on all our many platforms. But and uh, don't
0: worry, we will remind you about that.
1: 86 billion 3, times.
0: 3,000 times between now One and One time for November every dollar 1st.
1: managed yeah. by uh, NYC <laughs> Mellon, whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah. Mellon, Mellon. <laughs> okay, a couple other things. Beyond the world of the Family Cafe, there's some things everybody here in Florida and the whole country needs to know about. First of all don't forget there's an election this november oh, we yes. want to make sure you vote and if you want to vote you have to be registered to vote yes the please. registration deadline here in our state is october 5th so in order to vote in the november general election you have to make sure you're registered by october 5th you can go to register to to get yourself registered or to look up yourself and see if you're registered already. Maybe you don't know if it's lapsed, you can't remember because it's been a couple of years, go to register to vote, vote, (laughs) vote, register to to vote. Whatever you call it, do it. (laughs) doesn't matter. (laughs) Register to vote You don't
0: even have to. You don't need to register
1: to gloat. If you want to gloat, you can just go ahead. No registration necessary. Um, Another important deadline coming up is the census. Have you filled out your census yet, Joe? I have. You did.
0: I counted myself and you I want, told the government. There was one yes, Joe. Had, that's it, just one.
1: Well, if you haven't done it yet, you have until September 30th to do it. And you can do that online too. It's really easy, 22, 2020census.gov. Yep. Um, so please, we wanna make sure every person with a disability here in our state is counted. It makes a difference when they're deciding how to draw districts, how to distribute federal funding, all of those things. So if you haven't completed the census yet, definitely do that. And the last thing I want to mention is that here as we sit in Tallahassee, there are two hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico. So if you ever needed a reminder to make sure that you are disaster ready, I think two hurricanes in a single day is probably the best reminder you could possibly get.
0: Thank God we got developed. bullet. It appears this time. So far. Yeah, it's highly unlikely that would be the case as we see the rest of hurricane season uh, work its way out here. So get ready. Get prepared. Get
1: ready before it happens. Yes,
0: absolutely. Not after. Correct.
1: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, again, for joining us today on the Disability Advocacy Hour podcast. Had a good time talking to John. Had an okay time talking to Joe. It
0: was pretty fun.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: John, you're very, thank God for your expertise in this. I, 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 I have a headache. I don't know if you do. I know Jeremy does, but you really gave us a lot of great information. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank Thanks so very much. much and uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks, everybody. See you soon.